Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We present ourselves to you today, sinful mortals, that you would consecrate us to your service and make us instruments by which your will will be done on this earth. We beg you, Lord, and ask, please, grant to us the gift of your spirit. Fulfill your word in our lives. You said you would take our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Please, Lord, may the entering of your word do this work. Help us, Lord, that as we go through the words in our devotion today, that you would bless us abundantly, that you will help us, Lord, to come to a greater nearness to you, that our characters shall be formed more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. I present myself to you. There's nothing I can say that will help your children except you help me and put your words in my mouth. Therefore, Lord, I pray, please help me, Lord, to speak as it's the oracles of God that your children will be blessed. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, June 6. Five Smooth Stones David said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 37 When David saw that all Israel were filled with fear, and learned that the Philistines' defiance was hurled at them day after day without arousing a champion to silence the booster, his spirit was stirred within him. He was fired with zeal to preserve the honor of the living God and the credit of his people. David, in his humility and zeal for God and his people, proposed to meet this booster. Saul consented and had his own kingly armor placed upon David, but he would not consent to wear it. He laid off the king's armor, for he had not proved it. He had proved God, and in trusting in him, had gained special victories. To put on Saul's armor would give the impression that he was a warrior when he was only a little David who tended, who tended the sheep. He did not mean that any credit be given to the armor of Saul, for his trust was in the Lord God of Israel. Choosing five smooth stones out of the brook, he put them in his bag, and with his sling in his hand, he drew near to the Philistine. The giant strode boldly forward, expecting to meet the mightiest of the warriors of Israel. His armor-bearer walked before him, and he looked as if nothing could withstand him. As he came nearer to David, he saw but a stripling, called a boy because of his youth. David's countenance was ruddy with health, and his well-knit form, unprotected by armor, was displayed to advantage. Yet, between its youthful outline and the massive proportions of the Philistine, there was a marked contrast. Goliath was filled with amazement and anger. Am I a dog? he exclaimed. 
that thou comest to me with staves? Then he poured upon David the most terrible curses by all the gods of his knowledge. He cried in derision, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Amen. The title of our devotion for today, an interesting one titled Five Smooth Stones. As we left off, we saw Goliath boasting to the children of Israel and none could respond to him. David was not part of the army at this time. He had been given his leave to go home and do the work he loved to do, which was the shepherd work. But his father sent him to go and check on his three brothers who had joined the army of King Saul and it was providence that was ordering all of this. David never intended to enter into any battle with anybody. Providence directed his footsteps. The wind blew at where it listed the Spirit of the Lord ordered that David went there. On getting there, he met the army, looked for his brothers and while they were discussing just normal having a chit chat, something strange happened. It says in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23, I just want you to imagine how strange and startling this would have been for David. It says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to devour Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done unto the man that killeth him. I want to stop here for a while. Do you imagine how startling this has been for David? Just You're having a normal conversation with soldiers. Soldiers who are holding weapons. And just as you're having the conversation with them, the next thing you hear the voice of someone and the person is coming close, the next thing everybody runs like rat away from that vicinity. And David, you know how it is when everybody's running? I don't know, but most likely he will join them to run. I'm wondering what's going on here, what's going on here? And everything is just strange. These are soldiers and they are running and he's hearing a voice. So it must have been a startling, strange experience for him. But what is more strange is that these were men who had just fought the Amalekites and they had conquered them and were boasting about it. Now they are running away afraid. But David has a different mindset from the children of Israel at this time and especially from King Saul. To David, this was not a battle between himself and anybody. This was a battle between God and the Philistines. He, it was not for the sake of self-glorification that David was offended. He was having an indignation for the sake of God because he asked, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy not King Saul, but the armies of the living God. So David looked beyond the human beings that were standing there. It was not about national pride now. It was about the glory of God in David's mind. But remember that for King Saul, it was all about his personal glory. But for David, it was about God's glory. And in this mindset, he could go and fight. 
going on in that verse 31 now it says and when the words were heard which david speak they rehearsed them before saul and he sent for him and of course you know the story david told king saul that he would go and fight um goliath in verse 34 and david said unto saul thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock and i went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth and when he arose against me i caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised philistine shall be as one of them seeing he had defied the armies of the living god david said moreover the lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of this philistine and saul said unto david go and the lord be with thee and saul armed david with his armor and he put an helmet of brass upon his head and he armed him with a coat of mail and david gathered his sword upon his armor and he assayed to go for he had not proved it and david said unto saul i cannot go with these for i have not proved them and david put them off and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag which he had even in a scrip and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the philistine hmm. david is going for a battle no armor just no 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 experience in battle at all except what he said about killing the lion and the bear goliath's confidence was in his armor but just david's confidence was not in his armor it was in god we read in conflict and courage page 163 paragraph 3 david in his humility and zeal for god and his people proposed to meet this boaster saul consented and had his own kingly armor placed upon david but he would not consent to wear it he laid it he laid off the king's armor for he had not proved it he had proved god and in trusting in him he gained special victories to put on saul's armor would give the impression that he was a warrior when he was only little david who tended the sheep he did not mean that any credit be given to the armor of saul for his trust was in the lord god of israel end of quote what lesson do we learn from david rejecting the armor of king saul it teaches us the lesson of trusting solely in god and not to human things we saw how in our devotion yesterday that goliath was trusting in his armor in his strength and you can imagine goliath coming before israel with this weaver's beam that he was holding and the spear and the javelin and all of that he could just display something and wipe his sword left and right and slash it and the people will be looking and wondering who is going to go before this man the sword is so big the javelin is so big his the beam he was holding you may just use it and strike the ground and everybody in israel will tremble and shake and feel if this thing touches me i am gone wow and many of them would fear who is going to approach this man you can't come close to him if you say you want to stay from afar and use your bow and arrow on him long range attacks will not work why because the arrow cannot penetrate his armor and he had a very big shield all he needed to do was just put the shield up and then all the arrows will hit the shield and even if it hits him his armor was impenetrable and then his sword he will weld it left and right and the people will feel nobody can come before this man David was not coming to him in that kind of armor. Goliath was expecting that whoever is going to come after him, come to fight him, would also wear an armor just like his own and will feel that it must be armor versus armor. And then it's going to be that whoever has a better armor will be the one that is going to be victorious. 
And if David had won that armor, that is the message that would have been sent. That it was the armor that he wore that gave him the victory. But David had not tried that. He had tried the Lord. David had fought what before? A lion and a bear. Can you imagine that? His previous experience with the lion and the bear was a source of strength and trust. Killing a lion and a bear is the same thing or even a far greater feat than killing or fighting a man with a spear and a sword. David's confidence was not in the armor or in his strength because he did not have one that could match Goliath. His confidence was in God. And this confidence was inspired from his previous victories against the bear and the lion. Today, we have battles to fight as we go into the work of preaching the gospel committed to us. We have our Goliaths to conquer. We are not to get involved in boasting as we have seen yesterday or asking for debates. We have learned that. But now, another lesson for us is that we are not to become dependent on facilities and equipments and put our trust in them. David's trust was not in his armory and facilities. God can work without that. Israel had conquered greater nations without the use of any of these things. And we also must understand that God can work without these facilities. All he needs is a humble, consecrated instrument and not one who has confidence in what facilities and equipment can do for them. Reading now from This Day with God, page 80, paragraph 3 and 4, we are told, It is in working actively to supply the necessities of the cause of God that we shall bring our souls in touch with the source of our power. But let not one entertain the idea that those who have embraced the truth will be engaged in imparting more than in receiving. Your spiritual expenditures need not exceed your spiritual income. The one is essential to the other. Neglect the one and the other will be neglected. The most interested active servants of God in every age have been those who have had the most living practical piety. Their spiritual wants were supplied from the never-failing source of power that they might impart to others. When we have an eye single to the glory of God, we shall cultivate personal piety. So that's one prerequisite that David had personal piety. He had faith and trust in God which came from his previous experiences. For us today, as we go to preach the gospel of the Lord, we must not be engaged in so much preaching that we do not have time to feed our own souls. David's soul was fed by the previous experiences he had and by that fighting with the lion and the bear and getting the victory, he came in that strength to fight Goliath. We also must have times when we have our personal battles as we study the word of God and improve in our own personal spiritual life before we can go out to impart to others. That is where our source of strength is from. Going on in the reading in This Day with God, page 80, paragraph 4 now, it says, There is danger of our religious activity losing in depth as it gains in surface. There is danger of our workers depending upon human agents, upon facilities and great preparations for work and losing their firm faith in God, in making every outward show of prosperity while the work in the heart is neglected. Philanthropy, however widespread, cannot take the place of personal piety. Danger is on every hand, and we need to be constantly depending upon God, that His that His Holy Spirit may take our hearts pure, may make our hearts pure, unselfish, and quick to hear the orders from above. End of quote. As opposed to preparing 
facilities i need to buy this equipment and buy that equipment and buy this gadget and buy that gadget so that i can do the work of god as opposed to that what is more important is you're getting your heart prepared for the work of god the facility is secondary the main thing that needs to be prepared is your heart and david's heart was prepared by his previous experiences the facility of the armor is a secondary matter jesus how much facilities did he have and he preached the gospel and many were converted peter on the day of pentecost preached the gospel to three thousand no projector no computer no youtube three thousand were baptized and through that three thousand many more came into the faith not that the use of facilities is a bad thing no but we have to make it secondary our faith is not to be put in the armor it is not to be put in gadgets and facilities but our trust is to be in god that is the lesson we are learning from david david was not trusting to his ability to use premiere pro and many other softwares to make videos and to also use powerpoint presentations and have get this phone and that gadget that was not what david was trusting in he had not proved it eventually in his life he did use swords and armor yes but at this time it didn't mean he couldn't do the work of God because he doesn't have those facilities. He was able, the way the Lord had trained him, he was able to use that. And he went with five smooth stones. We also must understand that we must go with our five smooth stones. Wherever it is that the Lord has trained you, go in the strength of that might and do the work of God. Paul himself had learned not to trust in his own facilities. And part of the facilities we can trust in is our certificates and our oratory paul had learned not to trust in that and his knowledge of history and the things that the world knows in their gods and mm, so paul will not write a book and then tell you about those theological things he had learned it he said in first corinthians 2 verse 2 to 7 for i determined not to know anything among you save jesus christ and him crucified and i was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit of and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of god howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught but we speak the wisdom of god in the mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world. Amen. In the wisdom and guidance of God, sometimes we may also need to reject the use of various means that we will see will give glory to man so that men may not build confidence in facilities and in equipment or in themselves, but build confidence in God. Sometimes people go for programs and others will be given the impression that it's because they have this equipment or that facility or this equipment that they were able to make such a huge impact. No. Do not give people the impression that it is your equipment that gives you the victory. It is the Lord that gives the victory. God wants us to always be conscious of this lesson, that our strength is found in Him and not in human devising and human wisdom. Paul went further to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, from verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified unto the jews a stumbling block and unto the greeks foolishness but unto them which are called both jews and greeks christ the power of god and the wisdom of god you see the sling and the five stones which david used to represent the simple things of this world 
God has said that he will use simple things to confound the wise and those who are mighty. Goliath represented that mighty man. He was thinking that for anybody to bring him down, you must have huge facilities. You must first of all get sophisticated equipment before you can bring him down. Oh no, but it was not so. God used a simple thing, stone, just one, not even those five, just one of it, to bring Goliath down. That sling and the five stones that David used represent the simple things of this world. In the eyes of men, it can hardly achieve much in the face of a giant like Goliath. It represents the power of God in using the foolish things to confound the mighty. It represents, like we just read now, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, the chief cornerstone and anyone who will trust simply in him and go in the strength of christ will conquer whoever or whatever obstacle is a hindrance to their progress how was it that david had the confidence to go in this go for this battle david referred to his previous experience that was what david referred to and in that previous experience he was he was able to develop more faith to go for the next battle Reading from Councils for the Churches, page 359, paragraph 4, we are told, in reviewing our past history, having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing, I can say, praise God. As I see what the Lord has wrought, I am filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as leader. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. End of quote. David had nothing to fear because he had not forgotten how the Lord led him in conquering the bear and the lion. He didn't have anything to fear because he remembered the teachings of the Lord that if we keep his commandments, one shall chase a thousand and two ten thousand. And he was not afraid of Goliath because the Lord had promised that blessings will follow us when we keep his commandments. And David knew that the Lord was the living God. He had his past experience and he had the teachings of the Lord. And in confidence of the past experience of the way the Lord has led him and in confidence of following the teachings of God and living in harmony with it because he was not like King Saul who had been disobeying God consistently. He was in harmony keeping the commandments of God in these two things. He went and took those stones and he was going to the battle. We also can have confidence when we see the way the Lord has led us in the past and not just his killing of the lion and the bear. I mean, they had the story of Joshua who had chased the children of Anak, giants bigger than Goliath, had been destroyed by Israelites. They had the story of the children of Egypt, how the Lord destroyed them in the Red Sea. They had the story of Jericho. They had the story of Samson not far away before them. They had the story of Agag and the Amalekites, how the Lord destroyed them. There was the story of Samson and the Philistines. David had not forgotten the way the Lord had led in the past and his teachings and he went in confidence. We shouldn't forget the way the Lord has led in the past and we should help ourselves to by living in harmony with his law so that we can have confidence to go for the work that the Lord is giving us today. David had only these things to look back to, but we have more than what David had. I'm reading now from Gospel Workers, page 434. It says, We who are living in this age have greater light and privileges than were given to Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, I would add David, and other ancient worthies. And we are under correspondingly greater obligation to let our light shine to the world. God has made us the depositaries of his law. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ and we are to follow in his footsteps to represent him before the world. But are we faithful depositaries of the truth? 
correctly representing it amid the spiritual declension and moral corruption that now exists? Are we doing all that we might and should do to diffuse the precious light of truth? Brethren, you see the truth. You understand the claims of God's law. You know that no willful transgressor will enter into life. And yet you see the law made void in the world. What is your duty? You are not to ask what is convenient for me, what is agreeable, but what can I do to save souls? End of quote. I'll continue the reading. David was asking this question, what shall I do to save souls? Because of Goliath. And there was a conquering to do. The world today needs to be conquered with the truth. People are perishing in sin. The law of God is being made void. David took up the task and we need to learn to take up the task in various means that we can. We are supposed to ask ourselves, what shall I do to save souls? Continuing the reading, it says, there is a work before us. The world is to be warned. This work calls for the exercise of all the talents that God has entrusted to our keeping. He has given us abilities that enable us to exert an influence on other minds. Now, what are the abilities? Because you are wondering, some of us are wondering, because some people always think it's only preaching we can do. No. David's conquering of Goliath represents the different talents that can be used to conquer the world in evangelism, in speaking of the truth, in bringing up the law of God. Because people are defying the law of God. We need to show forth the word of God, be a light to the world, and not allow the world to continue to make the word and the law of God to be void. So what are the various abilities he has given us? I'll read them now. It says, we have talents in the pen, the press, that is publishing work, the voice, the purse, that is your money, and the sanctified affections of the soul. All these talents are the Lord's. He has lent them to us and he holds us responsible for the use we make of them. For the faithful discharge of our duty to the world, we may come very near to Jesus. We may commune with him and having found rest and peace to our own souls, we may show forth to others the beauties of true holiness. We shall meet with conflicts, just as David met with one. We shall meet with conflicts to test our faith and courage. But they will make us strong if we conquer through the grace which Jesus is willing to give. But we must believe. We must grasp the promises without a doubt. They are ample and rich, even during the perils and trials of the last days. Hear the assurance given by the prophet of the Lord. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make me to walk upon mine high places. That is Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. As we exercise faith, talk faith, and act faith, the promises of God will be verified to us. And as we walk constantly with our profession of faith, we are also teaching others to work, walk circumspectly. Do not choose darkness. Come out of the cold, dark caverns of unbelief into the upper chamber where you may bask in the sunshine of God's love and enjoy peace and rest in the presence of Jesus. The Savior said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8 verse 12 When you constantly complain of darkness, you represent to the world that you are not following Jesus or else that he has deceived you. But dear brethren, have you not been in the habit of talking darkness and unbelief? 
have you not by so doing greatly shadowed the path of others and led them to think that there could be nothing attractive in the truth, nothing satisfying in religion and service of Christ? Your words, your life and your character have represented your religion and how many souls have you discouraged and balanced in the wrong direction? Do not consult feeling, for feeling is not to be your guide. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. Do not let unbelief separate you from God. Do not let one word of unbelief or discouragement escape your lips. Satan is pleased at every such expression. Because it is dishonoring to Jesus, seek earnestly to remedy every defect of character. Put away murmuring and fretfulness. In indulgence of this trait, you represent Satan the prince of darkness and not Christ the prince of light. Cast no shadow to the darken the pathway of others. Walk in the light and the peace and joy that shine in the face of Jesus will be reflected in you. Jesus lives and his promise is according to your it and his promise is according to your faith be it unto you. Matthew 9 verse 29 end of quote. I read this because in the work of in the work that we have before us today which is a twofold work Firstly, to overcome our sins and secondly, to give the gospel to the world. We need to exercise faith. David in conquering Goliath was doing the work that we are told to do today. We can see it in various ways. We'll talk about how to overcome sin in tomorrow's devotion. But for today, look at it as the work the Lord has given to us in conquering the world. In, in When I say conquer, I mean preaching the gospel, showing the light of, the, of life to the world whether by pen or by voice or by our character. We should not talk unbelief but talk faith. Believe that the Lord can use you to do your work. Some people are afraid. David was a little shepherd boy. He had no experience himself. But just because he had faith in God, he knew that God had promised that he would work through his children when they are consecrated to him and also that the Lord had led them in the past. You also exercise faith. Use whatever talents God has given to you, by pen, by voice, by your means, that's your money, or whatever other way there is, through your own character. Exercise faith. Do not talk darkness. The Lord can walk through you as he walked through David. David was just a little boy, a stripling, no armor, no experience, but the Lord used him. You also go in that strength, trusting in the Lord, not trusting to yourself. Because if you have strength, you start maybe having some self-confidence. Do the work the Lord has sent you to do. The Lord will train you as you continue to do the work. Go out there. The talents the Lord has committed to your hands, whichever one you see yourself having, whatever ability it is, do you know how to speak? Use your words to bring people into the knowledge of the truth and conquer the Goliath. Do you know how to write? Then do that too do the videos there are many avenues the lord has for us to use today use all of them to bring about the knowledge of the truth to others as we do this i believe that the lord will supply all the needed grace and strength as he supplied to david some other thing that we can look at in this devotion is that when we look at this stone and goliath i cannot help but remember the vision or the dream that nebuchadnezzar had in the book of daniel chapter 2 Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a very giant, gigantic image that stood and he saw it very lofty upon the earth and a stone didn't hit it on his head this time but came and hit it on the feet and that image was destroyed. A stone, just like David took a stone to destroy the giant Goliath, a stone destroyed this image. I talked about something about this yesterday as the world is boasting. You see that image was a pompous image that 
Nebuchadnezzar saw. It, sta- it stood loftily. That's what that image was like. Daniel said in the book of Daniel 2 verse 31, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. What does that mean? This represents that this image was no image that you just go before it and you are not trembling before it. You tremble before this image. But Daniel explained what it meant. This image represents the kingdoms of this world that is trying to rule the world. The first one, the head of gold, represented Babylon. The chest and arms of silver represented Medopetia. And the belly and thigh of brass represented the Greek Empire. And the legs of iron represented the Roman Empire. And then when he went to the feet, it was mixed with iron and clay, but they never mixed together. The explanation was that it will be a time where we are today, we are in that feet of iron and clay, where there will be a mixture of churchcraft and statecraft, church uniting with state to bring about one world government. And I talked about that yesterday. This lofty image, the Lord will send, uh, come as a stone to destroy. We hear so much today about globalism, one world government, new world order, and people are trying to bring about this loftiness of man. It happened before in the days of Nimrod, Babel. They tried to bring the world together and have this one world government thing. They were building a structure for themselves, but the Lord came and confounded their language. Today again, they are doing it. The Goliath is coming. In the different unions european union african union and then the world unions too all coming together and they are building the lofty image churches are also uniting with it the religions of the world are coming together to work with the statesmen to bring about one world government and suppress the people but the lord will come as a stone and destroy all their plans let us have faith in god the lord will certainly destroy the giants of the world and even in our lives, let us also have faith in God to join him in the work as we preach the gospel of Christ, the third angel's message for today. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for the message you've given to us today. I pray, Lord, that it shall inspire in us faith. Is there a soul that is trembling like the armies of Israel? We pray, Lord, that you grant to us the spirit of David, that we may have faith in you. And according as our faith is, then it should be to be unto us. Help us, Lord, to remember what you have done for us in the past, to consecrate ourselves to you and do the work you have given to us today. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.